This episode of Coach to Coach is brought to you by my coach training program for academics and higher education professionals. In each training course, we meet weekly to explore how we can hold space for clients, listen for the things that they care about most, and help them to achieve their goals through focused questioning, activities, and tools. If you think that becoming a coach might be a fit for your professional development goals, you can learn more about the coach training program or sign up for a 30-minute Q&A session with me to ask all of your questions at higheredcoaches.com. Cohorts begin in January, April, and June, and I'd love to have you join us. Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. This season, I'm excited to share conversations with some of the participants in my coach training program. I get questions all the time about how people know it's the right time to become a coach, what the various career pathways are that lead to coaching, and what people decide to do with their coaching skills after earning a credential. This season, we're tackling all of these topics and more. A huge thanks to each coach in training who offered to come on the show and share about their experiences with learning this new skill set. In this episode, you'll hear from Amy Coron, who helps people find joy as they create greater alignment between their work, life, and values. Amy acts as a thinking partner and holds space for clients as they explore the best tools and methods to achieve their coaching goals. She brings empathy and positivity to coaching sessions and uses active listening and powerful questions to help clients get to their next best step. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me on Coach to Coach this season. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you are here and to share your story coming into coaching with our audience So the first question I'm asking folks is just, what was your introduction to coaching as a field? How did you come to know it as a thing that existed? And especially for academia, because it's, there's always a different pathway into it. It was certainly a bit of a winding path with like a lot of different pockets. I'd say like academia and higher ed was the the end result and obviously my best fit. Um, But when I was growing up, my mother was a quality consultant and owned her own business. And so had heard about coaching in a business executive way, just offhand growing up and some of her friends and colleagues that were doing that work. Um, And then about like 2018, I decided to pursue health coaching as a client um, for some ongoing like health issues. And that was the first time I'd worked one-on-one with a coach and kind of saw how that relationship was different than, you know, in that sphere, different than like a medical doctor, but also different from, like a sports coach or something like that. Um, And then I took part in a group coaching program uh, specifically for student affairs uh, professionals who are looking to be entrepreneurs. And that was in the fall of 2019. And that's when I saw coaching specifically in the higher ed space, um, specifically those working in student affairs, but it also branched out to other people working in different student services fields within higher education. And then through knowing you through social media had learned about like, okay, people on the academic side of the house are just more, you know, in full in higher ed are also in coaching and pursuing coaching and graduate students, PhD students get coaching and are coached. I learned about, you know, faculty coaches, even in like learning and development 
departments and offices at universities. Um, and so that's when I thought like, oh, like, and at that point, some of my journey and what I was doing professionally was pivoting as well. Um, and so I wanted to pursue perhaps coaching as a coach myself. Hmm. Okay. So this is always like such an interesting fork in people's paths of like, when you decide to go from like a client to, mm-hmm. oh, I think I might want to do this, you know, mm-hmm. like, do you, do you remember what kind of first led you into thinking like this could be a good fit for you? Yeah, that similarly, like was like two paths of mine joining together. Um, I've always had the dream of working for myself. And that's always been like a lifetime goal. And I didn't know doing what, you know, part of that was joining the entrepreneurial program. Um, And coming out of that, I was really like ready to start and wanted to do something. And at the same time, what I was doing professionally was transitioning of, you know, teaching undergraduate students, but also doing a lot of work um, training faculty and staff on effective facilitation, uh, inclusive pedagogy, curriculum building, using intergroup dialogue in the classroom. And in working at that population, I was thinking like, there's ways I could do this differently or more effectively or in a more powerful way. And with my supervisor, she and I, um, you know, crafted some goals around learning coaching skills. And so it was like a like a, you know, January, 2020 was like the clouds open. It was the right time to pursue this, um, both for myself professionally, but also to pursue some personal goals as well. And I had, you know, been following you along the way when you were building this program. And then when you're like, all right, it's ready to go. I was like, yes, like, this is what I wanted to do. And I was ready to have, you know, the time invested, et cetera. Um, and we was really looking forward to growing that coaching as a skill set. Mm-hmm. The stars aligned with yeah. the timing. I love yeah. that. So I, I want to hear a little bit more, Amy, about the timing piece, just because mm-hmm. I think this is a big question for people of like, how do you know, like you said, you had the time to do it. You maybe had the financial resources to do it. You knew professionally you were kind of ready. And there had been signs it sounded like for you yeah. that you were like moving into this area. How, can you talk a little bit more about how you knew that this was the right time? Because it sounds like it had been building for a while. Yeah. Um, I think for me, part of it was being in the position that I was working in. I was I think it was in my third year. And so I knew I was doing what I needed to be doing in my day-to-day going on in my job and was looking to really advance my skill sets in some very specific areas. And then actually being a client um, and meeting other coaches and uh, seeing what other people were doing in coaching on Instagram just kind of inspired me to want to pursue that further and to just think like, yeah, like I could totally do this as well. I wanted to have another way to meaningfully impact and help people uh, outside of teaching or intergroup dialogue facilitation, just have another tool in my toolbox. And I also think just timing wise, like I was ready to set aside the time. And then looking back on what this year has been, coach training has actually been this beautiful constant mm-hmm. throughout. Um, and the relationships built with the people in the training and with you as a facilitator have been such a grounding force that it, like the time investment and general financial investment, it's like a second thought. Like it's nothing that I've ever, it's just built it into my daily life and schedule and and now I even tell you all the time, I'm like, what am I going to do without this? <laughs> like, when I know. So yeah, so it was just something that I was very motivated about doing. And I think, you know, personally and professionally, it made a lot of sense um, 
to grow my capacities in this way. Mm-hmm. Well, and Amy, you were in cohort one, which means basically mm-hmm. all year long, we've spent two yeah. hours a week together, like for the yeah. entire year. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, you're right. It really has been a constant in 2020 for, mm-hmm. for that cohort in particular. And for people who decided to take the whole program, it was mm-hmm. really a, a year long investment. So I'm curious, Amy, as you've gone through this journey over the past year, what has really helped you, whether it's been in the coach training program or just on your own, you know, working with your practice clients, what's really helped you to build your confidence as a coach? Um, I think, you know, in the training structure in particular and having all the practice and having that start, you know, by 201, like certainly did a, a bit of it in the foundational 101 class, but just that for me was a total acculturation of like, okay, this is really what coaching is like, even though I've been a part of some coaching programs or seen other coaches, there's a wide variety of coaching. And so to learn more about specifically the ICF model, how that's utilized agenda setting, and then in further courses, getting into the activities and the practice. I do remember, I think, yeah, it was 301. So the third course you saying like, okay, we're going to fishbowl. Like, I'm not going to demo this for you. You're all going to demo for each other. And that initially really freaked me out. I was like, oh my God, people are going to watch me and I'm going to mess up. And it was wonderful. I mean, really like the, everybody getting to know each other, the way that everybody trusts each other and holds space in the program is great. Um, But then, you know, being able to do that in front of eight, 10 other people and having it go fine and getting awesome feedback was definitely a building block in the confidence. And uh, similarly, all the different observations with you as well that are required part of the program starting in the second level course have been really helpful in, you know, one, hearing myself coach, which once you get over that sound of your voice being recorded, then it's not too bad. Um, But having that be like a really supportive and constructive space to get more into the nitty gritty on some things and also a great way to see my growth as a coach throughout, you know, and having those start earlier on and then carry through. Um, And then practice coaching with peers, myself and another individual, I've been pretty much practice coaching throughout the program. And what's great about that is, you know, I get to try my coaching skills and also get some feedback, but then I also get to be coached, which has, I think, been a really added benefit to this year as well um, of having that space. Uh, and then I think just, you know, on my own looking for resources, you know, listening to coach to coach, reading some books, connecting with the group on prolific as well. Um, and being able to bounce ideas off of people and kind of having a, like, we're all in this together kind of attitude of, you know, building confidence as we go throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cohort piece, I think has been a really important Mm -hmm. element of this program that I, probably should have anticipated, but don't feel like I anticipated enough. But I've been careful now about who comes in because it is really like you, you all have taken it so seriously and you're committing it to each other as much as you're committing to yourselves in terms of this Mm -hmm. skill growth. You mentioned Amy, some of the kind of foundational elements of ICF model coaching, which is international coaching federation. And for listeners, if you're kind of unfamiliar with that, I would refer you back to season four, where I kind of walk through agenda setting and some of these other basic components are there certain things, though, of those kind of foundations, Amy, that you found to be especially helpful kind of structurally as you're thinking about coaching? Are there certain yeah. things that have been kind of interesting for you to learn about or try out? Mm-hmm. Certainly agenda setting on the outside, because I've even had some sessions with clients where maybe topics or objectives were not clearly 
outlined or understood either by myself or by the client. And then everything just kind of goes awry. And it's certainly not as purposeful of a session as it could be. Um, and taking the time to really do that and having the client lead and take the direction on that so that I'm not the one, you know, it's not about my objectives and what I think they should do. It's really about what they're bringing to the table and what they want to accomplish with the session. And I think being able to also, you know, hear other people's coaching as well through the mentor coach sessions and seeing how sometimes our clients don't always know what they want to do or don't know how to enter the agenda setting and how as a coach we can still work with that and have them still define their own objectives. Um, and with practice, I remember you saying like, I used to have this little like cheat sheet that I'd have near my desk and it'd be like the four different steps. And now it's just so automatic, like topics, significance, objectives, repeat it back to you. And within like five to seven minutes, like we're ready to go. Um, and I think also having the collection of tools and the different ways that we've practiced and experienced the tools in training has been helpful. Cause not that I'm always turning to a tool, like mostly relying on powerful questions and coaching. Uh, but if something is coming up or if a client is bringing together a topic and I think, oh, this could be helpful, it's really easy to pull those resources out. And I've had clients really respond to them really well um, and really enjoy them. So I think those have been really helpful. And then also just the different ways to do accountability and follow up with clients, the ways we've practiced that, the different um, notion templates that you've shared or that some of the peers have shared too have been really good at, you know, carrying a client through the coaching engagement and then also closing it as well with kind of maybe their next steps or things they may do on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I remember pretty early on, Amy, you and I had this conversation because you came into the program with a lot of good facilitation skills. Like that was kind of your background as you had, and you'd mentioned this a little bit earlier, you'd learned how to facilitate groups. And I think you'd done some kind of conflict resolution mm -hmm. work and, and work in diversity and inclusion. And early on, we were kind of talking about how do you blend some of that into this coaching skill set? Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I do think that that like merging of skills is an important piece, especially when you're coming into a new skill set as like a, a full-fledged professional. I mean, like you, you have other things that you know how to do. So can you share about that process a little bit? Yeah, I think it was going through and connecting some of the parallels, specifically for me, you know, working in intergroup dialogue and intergroup dialogue facilitation and having that be about, um, you know, making mutual understanding and communicating across difference towards leading progressive and transformative change, specifically within areas of social justice. And so, you know, as a facilitator, a lot of ideas about there's no um, power differentials in the classroom. Like I am as equal as my students. So similarly in coaching, like I'm not thinking I'm the leader of this coaching relationship. It's really more the client. And so how to take a back seat there and then practicing a lot of active listening, um, which I do in dialogue. And that's been very helpful in coaching as well, particularly when you're using the client's language and really trying to understand what they're saying. Um, suspending judgment is always something I would do as a dialogue facilitator and certainly in coaching and silence. I am so comfortable with silence and it gives my students the heebie-jeebies and like they get really like squiggly. And I've told clients this too, because they think I'm going to fill the space. And I'm like, I am, you know, take what you need. Like I am okay to sit here. And I think that's been really helpful too. Like, I don't feel like I need to say something. Um, 
And also sensing nonverbals. I think coaching has been a little bit different because I've done it all through Zoom, but now most of our life is through some kind of virtual communication, whereas dialogue facilitation I was doing in person, um, but still being perceptive and using coaching presence to understand like, is there emotion coming up? Um, did something maybe like charge or trigger someone? Is there is there another area we need to explore? Uh, but similarly, also finding those things that are not the same as dialogue facilitation, like there's usually a lot of paraphrasing or you're working with a group or other things like that, which I would probably leave out of coaching. And that initially was a little bit of a challenge to like not repeat back what the client was saying before I then go to my next question, that it was just the question stands on its own. Um, and that there are times and spaces and ways to affirm clients to paraphrase, that's certainly a tool, but that it's not something to be overused. Um, and so I think that like having those differentiations was really helpful. Uh, and also I think this is the first time I've really gotten to work in depth with just an individual. I've done a few different group coaching things now, which have been a lot of fun, um, but also how that's a bit different as well and the ways that I can really attend and help just one person versus trying to navigate, you know, 10 to 20 people in a room all together um, and all the different things that could be going on in that kind of a space. Okay. So this is actually really interesting, the, the difference between individual and group. Can you talk further about that? Because there's yeah. some people that are um, in the coach training program who've, who've gravitated a little bit more toward group coaching, some people who are really liking the individual, where do you land on that spectrum? What do you think are kind of the things that are drawing you into one or the other? I think for me, oddly enough, it, it is more individual. And I think for some of that is kind of what I was just talking about. I feel like in a group, I do lean more into then becoming a facilitator and relying on activities or tools and then you know explaining the instructions and leading the group through that and then having some debrief and trying to figure out the ways still how that could be powerful for a group you know even as a participant of a group coaching program there's certainly loads of benefit there um, and I think people can get a lot out of it and it's a very rich space that can be created when you have more than one person um, but for me as a coach, I've really enjoyed the one-on-one -on -one. and then having it be a sustained engagement over a number of weeks so that you can really see change within the individual um, and have them even report back all the things that they've taken away from the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's kind of the relationship building that happens one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. There's yeah. something really special to that. Yeah, I think a lot of trust and a lot of things that, you know, th clients have said, like, I've really never said that to anyone before, or, you know, that's something I didn't want to admit it aloud, or just even, you know, the space where people will reflect about their emotions or, you know, thoughts or feelings that they have, which certainly in a very trusting, vulnerable group, and I've had this happen in intergroup dialogue as well, will happen for sure. But I also think that can take a certain amount of time. Whereas in one-on-one -on -one coaching, if the rapport is there with the coach, you know, it'll, it could be rather immediate. So I'm also curious, Amy, cause you mentioned you are working full-time like many mm -hmm. people in the coach training program, you have this full-time work. Can you talk about how the coaching skills you've learned in this past year are being integrated into that if they, mm -hmm. if they are integrated? 
Yeah, I think they're integrated more in my interactions with my own department, especially as we're going through a lot of change, as many areas are in higher education right now, and a certain amount of obstacles. And so even just phrasing powerful questions in staff meetings or, you know, the things that I talked about with my supervisor, uh, I've brought it into my teaching more as well. I teach a team, I co-teach a team-based introduction to engineering design class. And so a lot of times it's more consulting students and helping them with team development. And there's a lot of great ways to use coaching in more of that group environment that I found have been really useful. And then looking to bring it as well more into the staff and faculty development work that I'm doing. So that can also be more powerful. Mm -hmm. So I also wanted to talk briefly, Amy, that you have this uh, growing side business with coaching mm -hmm. as well. And uh, one of my favorite things is your, I don't know if you would call it content marketing, but I call it content marketing <laughs> on social media. Um, and we can link to, you know, Amy's Instagram and various other ways to connect with her in the show notes. Um, but you have a, a wonderful, like playful approach to your social media, which I really enjoy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think you had this kind of, I mean, if we want to call it a brand, I'm putting air quotes yeah. around this, like you had this before you came into coach training, because I, yeah. I was connected with you on social before that. Um, but you've continued it. And, and I think it's a really kind of unique aspect of how you show up online. Can you talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that element? Yeah, I think it's just like, you know, it's really just me. Um, it's not really filtered in any way. I think when I did start the side business and working with clients and coaching, I did think about, you know, do I make separate accounts for things? And then was like, no, like Amy, the coach is the same as Amy. The person is the same as Amy, the instructor. Like I show up as me in all the spaces I'm in. And definitely one of my core values is joy. And I think that is something I try to share with others. It's certainly something I bring into coaching, some joy, some humor, um some positivity as well and just wanting to share that and i also discovered more i think it was when i was traveling for trainings and conferences a few years ago and then certainly in the pandemic like i am an extrovert um and i like to externally process so i found a way to do that is like yeah just sharing thoughts or things through social media and making connections with people online has been a lot of fun and something i've really enjoyed and also just a way to keep in touch with those people that i know in real life as well um, which has been a good benefit at this time too. Well, just to give people a taste, when you follow Amy on Instagram, you will experience dance parties, yeah. uh, baby in her yeah. kitchen. Those are some of my favorite things. But I have to say too, I always appreciate, um, I forget what you call it, like Amy from the couch or something like that, oh, where yeah. you're like yeah. sitting on the couch, giving your thoughts about your day. And I'm like, I, I do, it's like a little window <laughs> to your yeah, experiences, which I really enjoy. <laughs> That started when I when I was still working in an office at that time. I'd go to the gym after work. Now my whole daily routine is different. But I'd get home and I couldn't like get myself to change into gym clothes. So I'd sit on my couch in my coat and I called it coat thoughts from the couch because I'm like, I'm not, I can't go anywhere right now. I can't do anything. Um, so yeah, just some of those musings. Sometimes they're more serious. Sometimes it's just top of mind. So yeah. Well, I think you offer such a great example, Amy, of of like you said, like being yourself in all these realms and there is something very magnetic about it and, and very real and genuine. And so for folks who are kind of interested in seeing what this looks like, uh, we will definitely make sure to link to that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. 
Can you talk a little bit, Amy, about are there elements of coaching that you're still working on (laughs) that you're like, yep, this is going to take some practice. (laughs) I want to keep thinking through this. Is there anything that you're still kind of building confidence or skill set around? Yeah, I think some of it, um, you know, more comfortable now. I used to be very anxious about not being able to go into coaching with a plan because once again, that facilitation strength and the planner superpower, like you don't know what the client's going to bring. You just have to be ready to go. Uh, So I think, you know, comfortable with that now, but wanting to work more on matching like my energy and presence with the clients and then even maybe flipping it a bit if, if a session needs a little bit more energy um, and being able to attune that to each individual client so that my presence is really what that individual needs at the time versus just how I always show up as a coach. Um, Cause I think that's some further refinement and skill development that will make my coaching more impactful. Um, and then just continued practice and exploration with all the different tools. I mean, the manual is quite large. I have not gone through <laughs> all of it. Um, so kind of seeing what's there and what can be like, what I can explore and play around with a bit more with more clients in the future. Yeah, we do go over in all of the courses in the entire curriculum um, and the entire curriculum is not required to graduate from the program. So um, there's usually at least one course that people don't necessarily take. Um, and But all of those things combined, there's 50 plus tools in the manual. Um, and I think that you're right. It's kind of a lot. <laughs> you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what works and what doesn't. Um, but we go over the majority of them in the, the graduated program. So Amy, I'm so kind of interested in in how your thinking about coaching has changed over time. Because you started out as a client, you had these experiences with health coaching, with group coaching. Now you're seeing this from like a totally different perspective. Can you describe what that's been like to go through this really from the other side and how it's maybe shifted or changed your ideas about coaching? Yeah, I think... I, there's something that I, you know, I spoke about growing up with my mother as a quality consultant and some of her connections with colleagues and friends. And I remember when I was first interested in coaching, I talked to um, one of her very good friends and she was helping with some career exploration. I was like, no, but what about coaching? And at that point, you know, this individual's perspective of whoever came up with the word coach, you know, is a smart person who's made a lot of money. Um, and to me, what I took away from that was like, okay, have some discernment with this, like approach maybe with some caution and look at if you're going to invest, you know, time in financial resources and et cetera, in this path, think about what you want to get out of it. And knowing that there's many, many different forms of coaching that in order for somebody to call themselves a coach, they do not necessarily need to be trained in any way. Um, and having that understanding as well, going into the training program. And that definitely helped me select what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted a ICF accredited program. The focus on higher ed was really important. Um, and so I think now my understanding of coaching is just way more clarified. Um, and I'm aware that there are many different forms of coaching, some that we've been exposed to in the program, some that I know through um, different connections that I have, things that I've seen on social media. And they all have a place and all of them do have make meaning and are impactful for people at different times. I also think that there's different fits like along the way that not every form of coaching or even every coach is going to be right for every client that you kind of have to go through that experience too to understand 
what might fit best for you. Um, I very much believe in the model that we've learned through training. And I've seen that I've certainly benefited from that within practice coaching. And I've seen that work with clients as well. I've heard that through this podcast, coach to coach. Uh, but I've also seen other forms be impactful for individuals too. So I guess now, you know, I'm out of kind of maybe the wariness and more into the, yeah, like there's a plethora of different options here and coaching is many different things. And ultimately I think it's very powerful and helpful. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting to, to hear you describe this, Amy, because I remember way back in January when we started mm-hmm. 101, one of the first things we learned is the definition of coaching so that you can mm-hmm. tell clients about it. And if they're like, mm-hmm. what is this coaching business? You can say like, well, this is what coaching is and this is how it's different from therapy. And this is how it's different from mentoring or advising or these other things. And um, I remember, you know, like how everyone, I mean, not just you, everyone in the cohort was struggling with that. of just like, how mm-hmm. do you talk about it? And like, it, you know, and then you just give this like beautiful definition and it's like, look how far you've come. <laughs> you like have this just complete, handle and confidence about what is this? What is it not? What is the range of things that are included within this? What are the boundaries of coaching? Mm -hmm. I mean, you just seem to have such a a clearer sense of that. Yeah, I think it definitely takes time. And it definitely it has helped seeing the many different forms of coaching. And I I think, you know, knowing that I have a certain skill set with one way and knowing that others may have different skill sets with other ways and that that can still be under the umbrella of coaching. Um, but still, I would say I'm still thinking on it. I'm still chewing on it a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Amy, what do you think is next for you in your journey as a coach? (laughs) What a great question. As we head Um, into 2021. (laughs) Yeah. So I do have the goal for 2021 to get my ACC credential by the end of the year. So that will involve completing training with you, um, getting a hundred hours of coaching experience and completing the knowledge exam. And I think for me, that is definitely doable. And I think I'll be experimenting more with balancing a full-time job with the side business as well, thinking about how I want to be using my time, what would be like the maximum amount of clients that I would want at any time, kind of those things and playing around with more of that. Um, and experimenting with a few of those parameters. And then after that, I'm not quite sure. That's kind of like the larger thing. And I know that like a lot of folks count towards the hours and it's like, okay, but what does it mean really once you have those hundred hours? And I definitely think I'm gonna keep going um, to the PCC credential in the future too. Um, and that'll take some time. So I'm just looking forward to meeting with more clients and being able to help more people and just continue to grow and expand this. Well, is there anything else, Amy, that you want to share about this journey for you so far in terms of becoming a coach and learning these skills and being a part of this community of future coaches? I think I was so motivated about this and pursuing training and definitely from like a more personal professional development and a little bit of an achievement standpoint. Like I knew I wanted this. I knew I was going to make the time for it. And what I didn't realize was how transformative it was going to be for me. Like I didn't like I I mean, it wasn't necessarily like, oh, this is just a check mark, but it did. I did kind of think about it as another like tool or accolade or something else. And I think I am just a totally different person in a much more positive way. And I think to do training in this year in particular has been like the best, like I had no, nobody knew in January what this year would be. And yet it's the best decision 
I've made and definitely was like a grounding current throughout and really thankful for you. And then also the other participants in my cohort and even the cohort below that I've gotten to interact with for just being authentic and vulnerable and committed, like showing up, everyone is showing up every week and um, wanting to engage with one another. And I think this is like the one group of people where I find it so bizarre. We've never met in person because I just feel like I really know everyone. And I feel like if there definitely will be a future date where we are all together and it'll just be great. So it's certainly been so much more than I thought it was going to be. And I think um, even just coaching as a tool is way more than I thought it was going to be in the, the ways that it impacts people and helps clients and the ways I've been able to use it to help students has been really meaningful. So I'm just looking forward to continuing that in the future. Yeah, I definitely had that same sense of like coaching. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to say like coaching is like a lifestyle, but it kind of is like, it it changes your perspective on like conversations that you have at work and goal setting and like all these other things. It really does create some interesting like mindset shifts. Yeah, this what I'm about to say, this was not completely ethical, but (laughs) in terms of coaching, but um, like I've used it with like my mother or family members, if they're like, I need you to help me problem solve this. And I think to myself, like, okay, Amy, you know, giving you advice might not really help you with this. What powerful question could (laughs) assist you with this? And I've totally like, it wasn't a full session or anything, but I've used like coaching tools or tactics, even in some and I, I did say, I like, I was like, this might be some coaching stuff. And if you're willing to try it and individuals have found it helpful. And I mean, I don't think my mother will ever listen to this, but she was aware at the time, but yes, yeah, certainly you shouldn't coach family members. I do know that, but. Well, I can say too, that there have definitely been moments where my partner has turned to me and said, was that a powerful question? Are you coaching me right now? Cause he knows enough about it. Just being mm-hmm. around, you know, me talking about coaching, like he, mm-hmm. it's hard to not, I mean, it's, yeah. you're not treating your family as clients, but you are going to let a powerful question creep in every now and then. Like, I think it's hard not to do that. Yeah, definitely. Well, Amy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on coach to coach and share a little bit about your journey with coach training. And it's been wonderful to work with you this year. And I'm so excited to see where this goes for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of coach to coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatielinder.com slash coach. If you found this episode to be helpful, please take a moment to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts or recommend this episode to a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening.